Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to continue this morning um, with the topic that we started on next last week, rather, um, talking about discipleship. And last week we talked about um, what is the measure of success for a church. And we talked about how many churches think that having a big church means it's a successful church. Many churches think that having lots of people who have lots of money is a successful church. Sometimes if a church has got an excellent music team, it's a successful church. Praise the Lord. That's all right, everyone, just focus on me. <laughs> John's all right. But as we discovered last week, we worked out that how we measure a church's success is not important. Good to see you. It's how God measures success. Because it's God's church, amen. And we talked about the fact that God measures how successful a church is if they are making disciples. A disciple means that we are intentional about ensuring people live for Jesus. That they know what it means to live for Jesus. Because just coming to the Lord is just the start. You're a newborn baby. And as a church, we need to know well, how are we going to look after that baby? Right? You don't go to the hospital after nine months, go through the pain of having a baby. Mum and dad look at the baby, go, oh, it's such a cute baby. We love it so much. Okay, we'll see you when you get home, son. And then they just walk out the hospital. They don't pull out a T-bone steak and go, okay, it's dinner time, my one-week-old. No. Right? A baby has specific needs. A baby needs certain things that mum and dad have to provide. Amen. And, and we spoke about how last week, spiritually, it's the same. As a church, we are to provide certain things for new people, for new disciples, for newborns who don't necessarily know what we know about Jesus. Right? The truth is, is that we are on a journey and that none of us have arrived. I still don't know everything that I want to know about God. I'm still learning. I'm still seeking God. I'm still building my relationship with God. And every single one of us should be the same. We never actually arrive. And so our Christian walk with God should be one of continual searching to know God more. Amen. And that's really all disciple making is. Disciple making is taking somebody along that journey who's not quite as far along as you. That's why anybody can be a disciple maker, right? It's not just up to the pastor to be a disciple maker, right? I can disciple people and I do disciple people, but every single person in this room has at least some level of understanding about Jesus. They at least at some level understand a bit about God. At least on some level, they know how to live for God. And there is someone else who doesn't know as much as you know. They might come to you and think you know everything there is to know about God. That's okay. You start training them and leading them by the life that you live, and you're a disciple maker. Amen? 
So last week, I gave you all some homework. Who remembers what it was? To read, yep, but it wasn't Psalms. Job, right. Job 39. So we're going to read that now. Job chapter 39, why don't we all turn there? Job chapter 39, and we're going to read from verse 13. Job 39, verse 13, everyone say amen when you're there. It says, Givest thou the goodly wings unto the peacocks, or wings and feathers unto the ostrich, which leaves her eggs in the earth, and warms them in the dust, and forgets that the foot may crush them. Or that the wild beast may break them. She is hardened against her young ones, as though they were not hers. Her labor is in vain without fear. Because God has deprived her of wisdom, neither has he imparted to her understanding. What time she lifteth up herself on high, she scorneth the horse and his rider. Now, Ostriches are pretty incredible birds. They are very tall. If I was standing next to an ostrich, it would be taller than me. They can be very fast. An ostrich has an amazing wingspan. They have big feathers. They were very popular feathers back in the, you know, the early 13th, 14th, 15th century. They were prized because they were so precious and hard to get. and People would wear them in their hats. Ostrich feathers. They were incredible birds. They are incredible birds. But you wouldn't want to have an ostrich as your mother. Turn to the person next to you and say, you don't want an ostrich for your mama. No, no. I didn't say, ask, is your mama an ostrich? I said, you wouldn't want... An ostrich for your mama. Because <laughs> here's the thing. An ostrich is impressive. An ostrich looks amazing. An ostrich is over six feet tall. It lifts itself up on high. An ostrich is faster than a horse over short distances. But an ostrich is not much of a mother. Her behavior towards her young shows her lack of wisdom and understanding. An ostrich moves fast and stands tall. Things that catch the eye. Things that draw people's attention. But she is not the pattern for looking after spiritual babies. A young ostrich's chances of survival really depend just on luck. You see, no real thought goes into where an ostrich lays its egg. It just goes, yeah, he'll do. Drops an egg and then walks away and leaves it there. Just puts it in the dust. Doesn't bother looking at it. Doesn't bother finding out, you know, is there any wild animals around? Is this a safe nest? 
It just leaves it right there in the dust. It's just another day in the life of the ostrich mama. Just leaves it right there. The chicks are at risk of being damaged, of being harmed. Spiritually speaking now, what is our church like, do you think? When we have spiritual babies in our church, young ones that need to be cared for and protected for and looked after, are we in danger of being like the ostrich? We have a newborn, but we're just like, yeah, it'll be all right. We've got another horse to race or we got to stand tall and look really good. See, I wonder sometimes that, you know, we as churches and, and maybe not even just our church, but I think just churches in general, we get so caught up sometimes with looking good, with having all the right sounds and the right atmosphere and, and everything set up that we don't stop to think about what happens with the young ones. And I'm not talking about kids. I'm talking about spiritual babies, people who just start coming to the Lord. You know, we spoke last week about how disciple making is hard work. It's roll up your sleeves hard work, right? Like parenting a child is hard work, right? When we brought Jonathan home from the hospital, he very inconveniently kept waking up at 11 p.m., at 2 p.m., at 5 p.m. because he wanted to eat. Seriously, child, don't you know we've got work in the morning, sleep all night. Babies just don't do that, do they? It's just, it's, and we, we understand that. We accept that. But when we come to s- spiritual babies now, a newborn comes into the church. They don't know hardly anything about God. They say God fills them with the Spirit. They're baptized. And, and then we're like, okay, now you can live for God like you've been living for God for 30 years. Hello. But the reality is, is that it's downright inconvenient sometimes. It's hard work. Someone's got to go around to their house and have dinner. Someone's got to take them out for a coffee. Someone's got to do a home Bible study with them. Someone's got to teach them about the things of God. Someone's got to invest time and effort into that baby if they are going to have any chance of surviving. Amen. Otherwise, we're just like an ostrich. Right, see, an ostrich lays an egg and leaves it in the dust and then forgets about it. Because, look, there's another horse I've got to go race. Look at my feathers. Don't they look good? Look at how tall I'm standing today. It's already forgotten about the young ones. You know, and, and, and as a church, sometimes I, I wonder if, and maybe not even just our church, but just Christianity in general, we, we are so focused on getting somebody, quote, unquote, converted, and then just forgetting about them. Because we're like, okay, where's the next baby? Right? Instead of going, okay, we've got this one. Let's nurture it and care for it. Let's give it the best possible chance of survival. Let's, let's teach it and, and strengthen it and, and show them God's word. Amen. Praise the Lord. There's a few more people coming in still. So what does the nest look like in our church? This is actually quite um, 
quite confronting, isn't it? Because, you know, I, I don't have any problems with operating a church professionally. I think we should, right? I think we should be doing everything to the best of our ability. Amen. But we need to make sure we're not doing that as the end goal, right? We are here to help people come to Jesus, to learn about Jesus, but not just come to Jesus and then go, great, you're done, but actually invest into these people's lives, amen? So, so what does the nest look like for our church? What intentional actions can we take in our church so that we don't lose people at the back door because we've forgotten about them and we're focused on whatever the new opportunity is. This is really direct, isn't it? I'm, I'm hoping I'm provoking you to thought this morning. This is what I want to do. It's been something that's been on my heart for a while now. What does the nest look like? How long has it been since you? Everyone get your finger. Pointed at you. How long has it been since you and me have spent time with a newborn baby Christian? Now, that's a bit eye-opening for some of us, isn't it? It's like, oh, well, actually, I, I, I haven't really spent much time at all with someone who's brand spanking new in church or, or brand new. And this is what I mean when I say we're all disciple makers. We're all called by the great commission of Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't say in Matthew 28, 19, Pastor, go into all the world and make disciples. There was no caveat on that. There was no like, I'm meaning just this group of people or this person or this particular person with talents and gifts. No, but every single one of us is called. Right? Every single one of us have that commission from Jesus Christ. And so how long has it been since you took someone who's new to church out for a coffee? Since you invested some time in there? When's the last time you taught a home Bible study? Amen. This is quite confronting. See, the Bible tells us in the book of Job that an ostrich is hardened against her young. Have you ever noticed? I've noticed this since I've become a parent. I can be in a room full of kids, right? And there will be kids crying, screaming, fussing, fighting, biting, punching, kicking, playing, whatever kids do. Seems to be a lot of that. But when Jonathan cries... I recognize it immediately. Above all the other noise, I recognize the sound of my son needing his daddy's help. Right? And I'm sure there's other parents who are much the same way. You know the sound of your child. Right? Because you're not hardened against them. You know that they're your children. You are invested in their life. You want to love them and protect them and care for them. Right? At the same time, have you ever been out somewhere and you hear some other child screaming? It's more likely to cause frustration than it is to cause concern, if we're being honest, right? True story, right? You're like, what is wrong with that child? Would someone pay attention to it? Whereas if it was our child, we would be right there in an instant like, hey, what's going on? Can I help you? You know, do you need some help? Can I, can I look after you? Can I care for you? Right? So an ostrich, the Bible tells us in Job, is hardened against her young. It's almost like she lays the egg and the chicks hatch and it's like, who are you? Don't waste my time. I'm too busy looking impressive. I'm too busy racing against horses. 
I'm too busy preening my feathers and making sure I look good. I don't need, I don't have time for you. Now think about it in terms of your natural kids. What kind of parent would you be if you got home from the hospital, left your child at home alone and said, okay, daddy and I are going out for a party. We'll see you maybe tomorrow. We might stay out. I don't know. See you later. Right? You wouldn't be any kind of parent. As soon as the government found out, they'd be taking your kids off you. I wonder if God ever feels like that. If God ever looks at, at, at how the church is treating their new ones and goes, I ain't going to send any more babies their way. They don't look after the ones they've got. This is really direct, isn't it? This is why it's life class. It's teaching. It's, it's, it's provoking your thought. See, I wonder if, as a church, we sometimes get hardened against new ones. And this is why we taught the series last month when we were talking about everybody has purpose. Everybody has value. Everybody has a place in the kingdom of God. Because God sends to the body of Christ who He will. Right? He's the one who calls. And so what happens is God will often send people who might be more talented than you who might have more abilities than you, who might have different gifts than you. And when you see them getting exalted, you know, that's not fair. I've been here longer than them. But that's why we've got to understand we all have equal value in the eyes of God. But this is an example of how sometimes we get hardened against the young. You know, it's so easy sometimes to get into that mentality where, you know, it's just us four and no more. I like church just the way it is. As a matter of fact, I heard a story once about a lady who came to her pastor, said, Pastor, I need to complain to you about something. And every pastor loves it when people come and say things like that. It's just, it's the joy of my life. <laughs> right? Said, pastor, I need to complain to you. This is not in our church, just in case you're wondering. Just a story I heard somewhere between the North and the South Pole. And he said, sure, what's, what's on your mind? He said, it's all these new people. They're changing the church. And someone sat in my chair. Hardened against the young. Now, that's a bit extreme, isn't it? I don't think anyone in our church has ever been like that. We kind of just sit wherever we want, next to whoever we will, amen. But, but on this International Sunday, as, as God sends people from all different races and different walks and different backgrounds and different life stories, it's important to understand that we cannot be hardened against them. God is going to send us people that don't look like us, that don't think like us, that don't act like us, that talk a completely different language to us and our job as the body of Christ is to make them feel welcome to make them feel like they belong it's part of our vision reach make and belong we're creating a community here amen so we can't be hardened against our young amen like the ostriches it's an interesting words do you care for spiritual babies with anything approaching the intensity that you care for your natural children. Now that's mind-opening. I mean, I would take a bullet for Jonathan. I'd get in the way of a speeding truck for Jonathan. I would lay down my life in a heartbeat for that kid. Sometimes he frustrates me, but I love him. He's my flesh and my blood. But I wonder now, spiritually speaking, when... 
a spiritual baby comes into church and, and we're beginning to look, do we have that same level of intensity that we feel towards our kids? Are we willing to sacrifice everything to see them advance? Are we willing to have sleepless nights maybe in prayer? Are we willing to sacrifice our time to sacrifice our food and have them over for dinner? Are we willing to give our money to take them out for a coffee? Or is it just like, yeah, someone else will take care of my child. Someone else will do that. Think about it. It's interesting. Hardened. Hardened. The Bible also tells us that the labor the ostrich expends to lay the eggs is labor that is in vain. Have you ever worked for something that didn't happen and it frustrates you? Man, I remember. You know, for those of you who don't know, you know, I worked for the Fuji Xerox Business Center. And I remember once, it was a year or so ago, I was trying to win this deal. It was a good deal. I was looking forward to winning it. I put so much work into it. Like hours and hours and hours. I did site visits. I spoke to all the staff. I did surveys. I collected all the data. I had maps. I had everything put together. Hours of work. And I took my finalized proposal and sat down with him and, and laid it all out. And he was like, that's really good. I need to take this to our CEO. That was my mistake. I should have said, take me to your CEO. I'll talk to your CEO. He said, I'm going to take this to the CEO and I'm going to get him to have a look at it. A week later, he calls me up. Jason, we've decided to go with another brand. I'm like, what? What? I couldn't believe it. I put so much effort into this. I found out that he had taken all my hours of work and gone straight to Canon and said, here, can you just give me a price on all of that Jason's done? And they went, sure, here you go. And he went, great, you're cheaper. Sign off. It was labor that was in vain. I put so much effort into it and nothing happened. The ostrich is the same. It expends time and resources to lay an egg, but it doesn't stick around to watch what happens. It's too busy chasing another horse. It's too busy lifting itself up on high. It's too busy trying to look good, amen? And so as a church now, spiritually speaking, we invest a great deal of energy in bringing people in and, and advertising and Facebook and, and inviting our friends and speaking to people and encouraging them to be in church. And, and they come to church. They have an experience with God. And then we celebrate. We get excited. And then we forget about them. We're out trying to find somebody else. We expend a great deal of energy in that first part, but it's labor that ends up being in vain because we don't seek the care of that newborn that's just been born. Amen? It's labor that's in vain. So what are we going to do about it? And, and I don't know. This is, this is really direct, even for me as well. This is really challenging for me. This is why I wanted to talk about this, because I want to get this talked about in our homes with our families. I want us to be talking and thinking about this, and how can we make a difference, and, and how can you make a difference, and how can you make a difference, and, and how can every single one of us make a difference to this? But what kind of things are going to need to happen if we want to change from being an ostrich kind of church 
to being a church that focuses on this, to being a church that's not hardened, to being a church that doesn't labor in vain. Here is the first thing I think we need to do. I think as a church, we need to become extremely sensitive to the needs of our spiritual babies. Again, you know, when Jonathan was born, he was our first child. He's our only child. And when he was born, you know, he was a miracle. And uh, we were so thankful that God gave him to us. But I tell you what, we were nervous, Brother Drew. It was our first child. We didn't know what to expect. And so every, <laughs> every single noise he made in the night, it didn't matter how small or how insignificant, we would both jump out of bed and be like hovering over him like, is he breathing? Is everything okay? He might have just rolled over. And we're like, we were so, we, for the first six months of his life, we both slept with one ear and one eye open. I don't know how we survived. But he made the slightest peep. And we were both out of bed, both of us, looking at him. I lost count of the number of times we took him to the emergency department. I'm pretty sure the nurses there must have just laughed every time they saw us coming. You know, he would make a weird sound. Oh, I don't know. I, I haven't heard that sound before. And let's just take him to the emergency department just in case. Take him in there. He's just snoring. Okay. Well, we didn't know. Okay. We'll go home now. And the next night, you know, he makes some weird sound. I don't know. We're Googling because, you know, Googling is always a good way to, you know, find out what's wrong with things. Not. Well, let's just take him anyway. You know, we were hypersensitive to his needs. He just had to peep and we were there. But spiritually speaking now, I think that's something we have to work on as a church. Because we are a church that's filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We have the power of the Holy Spirit operating in our lives. And that gives us a level of sensitivity to what people need. And so we need to be listening to that. Because God will speak to you and speak through you into people's lives. You need to be willing to allow that. It's being sensitive. You need to be sensitive to what people need. Sensitive to where people are. You need to be listening to what they're saying and thinking always, how can I help them? How can I serve them? How can I look after them? How can I care for them like they are mine? Amen. A mother hears distress that everybody else ignores. That's where we need to be. Another thing, another thing that I think as a church we can work on, and we'll be finishing up pretty soon, is this. We need to accept responsibility. Accept responsibility. Paul told the saints at Thessalonica that he cared for them like a mother caring for children. He understood the relationship. The maturing of people became personal to him. We are not here as a church just to grow a big church of 500, 600, 700 people. We are not here as a church to have the best music team. We are not here as a church to have the best preaching and the best teaching. We are here as a church to introduce people to Jesus and help them grow in that relationship. That's why we're here. 
Amen. And every single one of us needs to accept that responsibility. That it doesn't matter what part of the church you serve in, whether you're serving on the doors as people come in, whether you are serving on with the, displaying the lyrics as we sing worship songs, whether you're serving on the guitars or the keyboard or the music team, or, or whether you're serving out in the kitchen as we get ready for lunch later this afternoon. Everything we do is focused on that fact. We have a responsibility to the world to introduce them to Jesus Christ and not just introduce them but continue to help them grow. It's a responsibility, amen? amen. Our responsibility as a church of disciple makers is to create a safe place. It should be a nest. You know, a nest is somewhere that's safe. Baby birds feel safe in a nest, amen? People ought to feel safe when they come into our church. When people walk through those doors, they need to look around and go, hey, this isn't a church of stuck-up, holier-than-thou people. No, not at all. We're just a bunch of everyday people. That's who we are. We're nobody special. We're all saved by grace. None of us deserve to be here today. But we're here because of God's grace. Amen. And so our church needs to be a safe place where it doesn't matter what someone's background is, what their life story is, whether they've lived for God before, whether they've not lived for God, whether they've failed God, whether they've just moved into town. Everybody needs to feel like I am welcome in this church. I feel like this is a safe place. I can talk to people. I can relate to people. I can interact with people. And there's no fear of judgment or condemnation. That's the kind of church we need to have, amen? And I think the final thing is, why don't we all stand this morning? I think we're just about out of time. But the final thing that I think as a church we need to start working on, and this is, uh, if you don't get anything else, I want you to get this this morning. We need to invest as much energy into caring for and developing our spiritual babies as we do getting them born again. Amen? Every single one of us has responsibility. Every single one of us needs to go, right, what can I do to invest into people's lives? Amen? What can I do to reach somebody and not just bring them to church and go, okay, pastor, you can take care of it now. No, but you need to stay involved. You need to be training them and teaching them and leading them and guiding them and, and introducing them to Jesus. Amen? Amen. We all have a responsibility. Everyone say, I have a responsibility. We are to be a disciple-making church. We're not to be like the ostrich. We need to care for the people that God brings to us. They're not going to come easily. Right? God is not going to send hundreds of people to a church that can't even take care of one or two. But he sends one or two and says, okay, let me see how you handle those. And when we demonstrate good stewardship, I mean, this is what we're talking about. Good stewardship of what God gives us in terms of their souls. If we demonstrate that we can care for them and love them and support them and nurture them and they grow and they learn and they develop, then God knows, okay, this is a safe place for me to send some more. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Now for homework. Who likes homework? Before next Sunday, I want you to read the story of Meth- 
I was saying it fine on Tuesday. Mephibosheth. Everyone say Mephibosheth. Yeah, you can't say his name either. I get that. I want you to read about Mephibosheth. 2 Samuel chapter 4. I want you to read 2 Samuel chapter 4 and learn how to say Mephibosheth before next Sunday because we're going to talk about him next Sunday. Amen. Everyone say it again. Mephibosheth. <laughs> As like a church private joke. Everyone say Mephibosheth. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Why don't we just close our eyes right now? And we're just going to talk to the Lord before we move on to the next part of our service. Hallelujah. Precious Jesus, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord. For this-